This is Together 24-7, episode 98. I have a great new idea for a new contest. I know you do. Tell me about it. Okay, so we want to promote you guys, our listeners, and we want to promote your business. So what do you win in this contest? You win a commercial on our podcast that'll be run for four straight Monday episodes. And it's really forever because like embarrassing pictures on Facebook, it's going to be forever like on a podcast. And you can enter in one of three ways. Way number one is to go to iTunes, rate and review us, take a screenshot of your rate and review, and email it to us. And the next way is either in iTunes or Google Play Music, subscribe to our podcast. And again, take a screenshot showing that you subscribe to it and email us. The email address is info, I-N-F-O, at together247.net. The third way to enter is to go to the website, www.together247.net and sign up for our newsletter. So go ahead, enter the contest, and keep your fingers crossed because we know somebody's going to be a winner each and every month. Good luck. Welcome to Together 24-7, the show that talks to entrepreneurial couples about their business lives, their personal lives, and how to balance both without driving each other crazy. Here's your hosts, Barry and Catherine Cohen. Showing how you can be business partners with your sweetheart and sweethearts with your business partner. Barry and Catherine have been married since 1996, in business together since 2003, and have survived to talk about it. Catherine, we're two episodes away from a 100. Yes, we are. Isn't that exciting? Yep. But oh. Scott and Debbie don't get the special prize at 100. They're, they're, <gasps> wait a second, we're doing a special Burr. prize? No, we're not, but you know, I just wanted to say that. It's <laughs> <laughs> so mean. I know, right? <laughs> So you want, you want to tell everyone who Scott and Debbie are? So Scott and Debbie Begay rhymes with risque. We just did that for 10 minutes before we started the show so that I wouldn't screw it totally up. Uh, Scott and Debbie, uh, the company is Dr. Geek's, Dr. Geek's Laboratory out of Celebration, Florida. Do you guys have to, is it like a town requirement to wake up and just run outside the house in the morning and yay, and then you can go and start your day? <laughs> Well, it's more of a guideline than a rule, actually. But, uh, you know, it, it just sort of happens to be the case. You know, you, you get out there and there's bluebirds uh, singing, singing and, yes. uh, and all that stuff. Actually, uh, when we first moved here, there was some deer on our lawn. And uh, my aunt said, oh, my gosh, you have audio animatronic deer. And, and like, uh, actually, no, that's the real thing. Those are real live deer. <laughs> yeah. Mickey didn't put them there. That's right. <laughs> we stole them from Disney last year. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. So Dr. Geek's Laboratory is an edutainment company. You guys have been in business together for four years. You are married for 19 years. Your child is Schrodinger the cat, and Schrodinger is eight years old. Mm -hmm. And apparently very cute because pictures are taken of him all the time. Pictures are taken of him all the time. Mm. Scott or Dr. Scott, and and I can go off into an entire... (laughs) Entire <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show tangent over here, <laughs> but I won't. You, you wouldn't be the first, which we'll is put it that way. <laughs> that's right. That's I'm sure. Um, Doctor Scott is a modern Renaissance man. You hold two doctorates. You're an attorney and an archaeologist. I am still trying to figure that one out. Are, are you? Are you trying, trying to, to sue dead people? Trying to sue dead people. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's great. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm just uh, addicted to higher education. Uh, it's just one of those things. And, and I'm always trying to learn something new. And, and uh, 
you know, quite honestly, when I was looking to do something, uh, you know, uh, this is my, it was my uh, second career going into law after uh, the year 2000 and all that sort of stuff. And so I wanted to do something that I could actually still see my wife uh, while I was practicing law. And I looked into it and saw that there was a lot of uh, legal requirements for archaeology. And that was also another passion of mine. And so while I was actually studying for the bar exam, I went and got my PhD. And uh, then I ended up being a senior archaeologist in the island of Kauai. That is that has got to be fun. And, and what sort of, what kind of digs are over there? Cause we're always watching, we're always watching stuff with digs in the Middle East, which old is our lava. old, old lava, which is our particular <laughs> favorite. But what do you guys find well, in the old lava? It, you know, this is where I get to crush some uh, expectations, I suppose. Uh, you know, when I told people I was an archeologist on Kauai, they think of Indiana Jones, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. After all, it was filmed there and, and so forth. Uh, but I learned a lot more about septic systems <laughs> than one would ever wish to know. Uh, basically, the deal is is that in the Hawaiian Islands, it's not a matter of if you'll find something, but when you will find something. Because the present population rests exactly where the native one was. Uh, there's only so far from the ocean people want to be, and there's only so far up the mountain that you can get. Uh, and so it's just a matter of whenever someone is doing any sort of uh, maintenance on their property, you know, maybe they're, they're building an extension to their house or doing something like that, or if someone's building a new office building or something along those lines, the odds that, that you, you will trigger an archaeological assessment are so high that it's actually required by law. So, sounds like over here and, and all the archaeological things that we've got going on in our neighborhood and especially we have – Beautiful, uh, what is it, 1,000-year-old, 1,500-year-old petroglyphs right down mm -hmm. the block. So very cool. We we get the same thing, and we hear the same thing over here. But we don't go digging up old septic tanks. Yeah, we don't dig up old <laughs> septic tanks. Every, his very first day on the job, he got to oversee them putting on in a new manhole cover on Rice Street. Yes. I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Very, very exciting. But oh, I will man. say the the one time that the uh, the head of the 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 actual head digger on the island had to go off island for a couple of days, so Scott was in charge if they actually found anything that had to be moved or relocated. Well, they found a body, and a storm was coming in, so they couldn't secure it in the location that they had found it. So they needed to move it during the storm. So one of the uh, the team calls us as he's driving up to our house. He's like. Hey, I got a body in the back to put in Scott's office. I'm like, you are not bringing it into my house. <laughs> you know? Well, I guess the real question is, what was the age of this body? Was it a month oh, it, or it was, was like a thousand years? No, about 150 years old. Yeah. Okay, so it doesn't okay. smell anymore. It doesn't, yeah. No, no but man, no. It, it's creepy. Yeah, you, you don't want that. And then and then the cat's going, what's that? Like, no, no playing with it. Yes. <laughs> we cannot play with a dead person. It's the best practical joke ever. Come on. <laughs> okay. So you have created Dr. Geek's Laboratory of Applied Geekdom and the live event Dr. Geek Science Fair. Both projects yeah. are dedicated to STEM outreach. What is STEM? Oh, 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 I think I know. Go ahead. Let's see. <laughs> Science, technology, Engineering and mathematics. Correct. Yay! Can you tell who the geek in the family is? <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in fact, we actually ate, uh, add the A for art, so we're steam powered. You're steam powered uh, now. Excellent. 
Yes, and uh, you know it, it's a lot of fun. It's a full cast audio drama where we tell stories and we investigate science inspired by fiction. So we'll we'll do things like investigate flying cars, uh, replicators, warp drive, and all that sort of stuff. And but where we can, we will actually interview. Uh, inventors and entrepreneurs who are working on those things, like the flying car, and then we'll go ahead and tell you a story that actually shows that that uh, idea uh, being operated to its full potential. And as you say, like to say, nothing is impossible, just highly improbable. Yep. And Debbie, uh, you wait are... a sec. Spock said that. <laughs> <laughs> Scott has been saying that since I met him. Spock said it first. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That is just so you that you would pick that up and know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you'll appreciate this. The best phone call I have ever received at home for anything was during one of uh, the investigation on uh, communications and advances in communication and how would we actually communicate with a different species or a new species. And all of a sudden we're at home and I get a call and it's the head researcher from SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Ooh. And I'm like, the head of SETI is on our phone. You know, and I'm like <laughs> taking the phone to Scott and I'm like, quick, they found us. <laughs> <laughs> it's SETI, honey. It's freaking SETI. Yeah. Um, you know, for other people that would, I can't even figure out the equivalent, but I'm, I'm geek enough to, to be excited for you guys that you got that phone well, they'd call. Well, probably, they'd probably be more excited about that than if the president called them. Probably. Yeah. Probably. probably, yep. <laughs> so, well, Debbie... Maybe the, president, maybe the president of another planet. That would be cool. There yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> Debbie, you are New York Times best-selling author of 50 novels. That's 52. a lot. 52. No, see, this 50, is 50, 52, but yes, 52. you did sell 50, You did say 52 earlier, yes. including the Wicked series. You co-authored that with Nancy Holder and the Robin Hood Demon's Bane series. You co-authored that with James R. Tuck. Correct. You do uh, dark fantasy work, and you also write thrillers and mysteries. Uh, you write the Tex Ravencroft science fiction adventure series with your husband. That's Scott. That's Scott. That's Dr. Dr. Scott. Scott. Dr. Scott. Great Scott. <laughs> I'm going to be that doing that all episode. Sound. I, I, I'm trying. I'm try I use that phrase all the time before I met Scott, and I had people who go, "Who is this Scott you're always talking about?" Because they tease me. And then I met Scott, and I'm like, "And here he is." And here he is. <laughs> you play a recurring character on the web series in the auto dra audio drama of Doctor Geek's Laboratory. So, tell us about how you guys started this business, and and why you decided to start it together. Oh, well, actually, uh, Debbie is to blame. Uh, <laughs> it's always the woman's fault. <laughs> it was, actually, it was a, 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 a day that'll live in infamy, actually. I was uh, talking to a convention, a science fiction convention that was going to have me out to uh, to speak. You know, like, uh, yeah, I do that. That's part of, you know, what I do during the summer is I tool around and talk at these different conventions. And it was a convention that was uh, dedicated to Doctor Who and Stargate and, uh, they, they said, so what does your husband do? I'm like, oh, he's an archaeologist. And he does like a Doctor Who podcast on the side with his friend, you know, because I knew, you know, he'll love coming to this convention. He'll have a lot of fun at this one. And they're like, he, he's an archaeologist. And, and I'm like, yeah. They're like, does he like Stargate? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, would he be willing to give a talk about archaeology and Stargate? And I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and after the end of this conversation, I walked downstairs and knocked on Scott's office. And I said, by the way, not only am I going to be a guest at Timegate, so are you. And he's like, 
what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to understand that up to this point, I was uh, very academic. I had I had taught uh, bar review for people who were trying to pass the bar exam, and I had written a lot of uh, legal education materials for uh, for companies like LexisNexis and Kaplan and and stuff like that. And so to do something like this was not completely unheard of, but it was definitely not something I was prepared for. No. So I told him he was going to get to be on stage talking about all these different things and for once i was going to be in the audience mocking him yes <laughs> heckling heckling and yes. uh, and yeah. it actually love. <laughs> and, and it actually uh, was this fantastic and wonderful experience i mean most people had never actually met a real archaeologist oh he's hilarious yeah. everyone kept coming up and touching him like he was like you know this this sacred object they're like you're a real archaeologist and they like touch him and then they go oh you know i'm like wow really <laughs> And then at one point, and then it started. After about five minutes, all the people that were like swarming him were like, "So, what do you think about Atlantis? Like, does it exist?" <laughs> and, and see, this is the problem. I, and I told them, "Look, uh, I if I really talk on this topic for too long, I'll be excommunicated from the archaeological community." <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like Beetlejuice. So I, I can't mention the name more than three times before I get into trouble. And and actually, that was just uh, a lot of fun. And then we were actually asked to do that talk about. Uh, the archaeology uh, about the science of Stargate. Oh, I don't know about fifty times sure. all over the place. And uh, and at one point, uh, somebody said, "Well, you know, this your talk was fantastic. Do you have a book that you can sell me?" And Debbie kind of kicked me under the yeah. table. <laughs> Scott was like, "No, I'm like, yes." And I said, "It's coming out next year. Look for it." <laughs> and uh, she was a, a great taskmaster and uh, kept on me. And I actually did manage to get that book done and sold by to a publisher. And uh, one year later, was able to give a copy to that person as a gift. That's uh, cool. As a, for, for kind of inspiring the whole thing. And yeah. and uh, yeah. Yeah, but we're sitting there going, well, this is fascinating because, I, you know, I, obviously all kinds of people have read my books and stuff and they want to talk to me, but they were so much more interested in talking to him because they had never met someone who was an archaeologist. And I'm like, this is interesting because there's a disconnect where the sciences are not getting as much attention as they should be. And people really want to talk about it and are fascinated by it, but don't know how to engage necessarily. And we started talking to some of our friends whose um, parents were retiring who were engineers and things like that. And they were really frightened because they'd retire from their job on Friday and be hired back as a consultant on Monday because there was nobody coming up after them in our generation or the generation behind us that was studying what they studied. And so we have nuclear engineers who are trying to document everything they know because there's no one to take their place when they're gone. And that's kind of a frightening thought. And we're like, huh, we, we should do something to kind of, you know, let people know what's going on with sciences. And then Scott has always been obsessed with um, that uh, Avery Brooks commercial from the year 2000, you know, where are my flying cars, where, where. And he's always complaining, where are my flying cars? And I'm like, you know what? Instead of complaining about it, go figure out where they are and why we don't have them, and let's see what we can do to get people excited about it as much as you are. Right, and that was the the the, the turning point, really, because when we decided that, you know, there's a lot of people that feel disenfranchised, that the 21st century isn't what we all hoped it would be, and that the, the answer really is, well, you have to kind of get off the couch and get involved. And so what I like to say is that the... Uh, Dr. Geek's laboratory show kind of sparks the conversation. You know, there's a lot more to learn about being an engineer or uh, being a pilot to, to fly a flying car or what's involved in that and city planning and all those other things. But if, if, if the Jetsons is what got you interested in the topic, then we can start there and move on from there. Exactly. 
So that's where it all started. And because he was already doing a podcast show, uh, um, you know, with a friend, I'm like, well, he was like, well, why don't we do like a science show? And then very quickly we realized that um, we could do so much more. We could do so much more. And basically fiction is the sugar that makes the science go down. Yeah. You know, our, our first episode sounds very much like a podcast. You know, it's a couple of people talking about a topic with a, maybe a little bit of soundscape involved. And then we, we listened to, to that episode and said, you know what? We can do better. And starting with episode two, the whole show kind of morphed into full cast audio drama. Right. With science, with interviews with actual scientists working on I mean, real bleeding edge stuff in the episodes. And what's awesome, what I always love is I let Scott handle those interviews, but I love listening and hearing when all of a sudden they'll run up against a, a you know. An NDA. Yeah, a do not disclose clause, you know. And they're like, all of a sudden they're like. We can't discuss this topic any further along these lines because I, by contract, I can't. We're like, oh, or I'll, yeah, that, or I'll have to kill you. Yes, yeah, it's like talking to the military, or I'll have to kill you. <laughs> right. So something, something like that. Something like that. So Debbie, you know, as a, a real live author whose books you could find in places other than a secret website, and we'll hear more about that later. <laughs> um, you're kind of you, not kind of. You are an, an entrepreneur. Uh, you've been for 52 books worth, but have either of you uh, been entrepreneurs in the past, either together or separately? Well, uh, no, not really. really? I mean, you know, we kind of had this idea that you would, you know, graduate from college, go work for somebody else. You do that for 30 years and you retire. Uh, and it really was kind of the the new world of the 21st century where we both kind of said, you know, that's not working out the way we'd all hoped. No. So I ended up, you know, doing my writing and then I was doing some teaching. I, I taught at a university for a while uh, on the side until I didn't have to. And uh, but the Scott was doing a lot of like I said, he did a lot of legal education. But he he did go into business for himself doing that because he was a contractor for several different companies who are looking for uh, legal education materials. Yeah, and, and, and they sort of outsourced that a little bit. And, and so that became like a thing. But as far as, you know, building a, a business like Dr. Geek's Laboratory, where you're actually trying to create a product to sell and all that sort of stuff, that is actually something that we just kind of, yeah, kind of put together, together did yeah. together. And what you know, what's great is is that you know Debbie is uh, very much involved in in all of that, uh, just trying to make sure that it all kind of makes sense and is fun. Yes. I, I think you know I can tend to be the the sciencey one and and can kind of bogged down on that a little bit. She's always the one to kind of remind everyone of the whimsy, <laughs> and uh, and that's kind of cool. And then we kind of that, that's sort of uh, why her character of Claire is the way she is. She's sort of the what is it the the uh, the person in charge of the committee who is in, uh, in charge of giving us our funding for all of our various experiments? And, and my character is like a cross between uh, Maleficent and Darth Vader. And Veronica from Better Off Ted. <laughs> and Veronica Ted. from Better Off Ted. So yeah. yeah, yeah, sort of a frenemy really uh, now. And and so you know, what, what's it like to have a, be a character that has no real boundaries? Exactly. And 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 how do you just go around and you inspire people to do whatever they want to do and and bring out the best in them? And so, in a weird way, the real life behind the scenes of Doctor Geek's Laboratory is kind of the same way. We're kind of encouraging each other to, you know, do different things and approach it different ways. I mean, a lot of people, you know, would I think there a lot has happened in the 
uh, early part of the 21st century where those that are us that are geeks and nerds and so forth have kind of inherited the earth a little bit, which is fantastic. But at the same time, I don't think a lot of people would expect that we would be going to conventions as a way to, to outreach for the show. But really, that's kind of a prime demographic. Yeah. Is it right at those at the conventions? Geeks we know, and nerds. Geeks and yeah. the geeks and nerds, and of course, um, you know, they're not, kids and they're kids. And they're kids. But yeah. but you know, not That's sad. Not to <laughs> not to not to downplay your 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 uh, pop culture. Um, uh, I don't know status status your pop culture status, but I, I would say maybe Neil deGrasse Tyson started this whole thing about. Science is cool. Well, I think uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill Nye, the science guy, too. Yeah, I just, I have this thing for Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't know. (laughs) You're not the only one. one. (laughs) Thank you. So yeah, do yeah. I. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, and 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 before Bill and I, there was a, a few other people too, and and was the, wiz- the, the Mr. Wizard, Mr. Wizard, Mr. Wizard, right? Wizard. That's right. But, uh, and and you know, I was actually just talking about edutainment uh, with a with a friend, and I said that uh, for me, the 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 show from the eighties of Voyagers was actually a lot of fun. That was actually co-produced by Scholastic, and so they had a lot of. Uh, educational moments in their show, so much so that they remind people that you can find out more about the topics by going to a library uh, at the end of every episode. And so there's a little bit of that, a little homage to that in each one of our episodes. Very cool. So with with the show, with Dr. Geek's Laboratory, who does what and how do you check in with each other on everything getting done? And, and the responsibility, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I hit a, a button. Question. Well, the, 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 the funny thing was, at the very first, I'm like, here, here's a fun thing you can do, and this is what I think you should do with it. <laughs> yeah. Thinking I was going to get to, like, you know, wipe my hands and walk away. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. No. Uh, well, okay, so uh, I will come up with an idea about what we want to do with the season, and then I will go ahead and write, like, a rough draft of every episode, at which point then I uh, will talk to our, our voice cast and and go through like a read through and then take their feedback and, and additions and mo- modifications. Cause at this point, everybody kind of knows their character pretty much. And I, uh, and we've, we've done now uh, two and a half seasons worth of stuff. We're about in, we're doing a, a pre-production on season three. And uh, so we, we do that. And then with, with Debbie, what's great is that she acts as our director for all the episodes and kind of, wrangles the talent um we have uh, a rather large voice cast and none of them are uh, anywhere close to one another uh there's maybe like one or two in northern california and then the rest of it it's all over the place and so in order to get the performances that we want sometimes there needs to be a little bit of a direction but because we're using friends and family as part of the voice cast it's kind of sometimes hard for me to be the uh, the heavy uh, so Debbie gets to, I get to be the scary one. Debbie gets to be the scary one, <laughs> and kind of keep everybody in line when, as uh, in the role of director for that. And then really, uh, a lot of it is uh, she'll come up with these great, fantastic ideas uh, about you know, like oh hey, wouldn't it be great if the characters did X, Y, or Z? Or hey, you know, I think that you should investigate this. You know, let's look into this, and she'll come up with like some leads uh, for us to follow and to try to get the interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. Scott does all the work of uh, contacting the scientists, uh, getting the interviews with them and actually interviewing them. 
He also, um, for the most part, since the, the first couple of conventions, I now leave uh, convention appearances. I leave all the, the organizing of that kind of stuff to him because he's very personable. People love talking to him and everything. I'm the person that's kind of sitting in the corner like, what do you want from me? You know, <laughs> why are you talking to me? I'm working, you know. And then I handle a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the like the the uh, I handle like a lot of the expenses like you know things things have to get paid or we have to you know take care of insurance or stuff like that. I tend to end up handling some of the the harder business ends, whereas he handles the part that's interfacing with people where it has to be more warm, nicer, you know, and everything else. So <laughs> I, I, I'm sounding really bad now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Maleficent. Yes. Darth Vader. Yes. The director slash heavy who yells at the family. Yes. And the nasty one in the corner at the uh, at the conventions. <laughs> yes. Well, if you just give her some <laughs> Cheetos, she'll be fine. She's it, man. I was going to say. Make hurt you. <laughs> Debbie sounds like my kind of gal. We should go hang out together. <laughs> Awesome, I know, right? That's that's like me to a T. <laughs> I, and I don't know why people think that that's a bad thing, but... I'll explain it to you afterwards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's always the one saying, you know, you, you know you have friends, right? You realize that your friend's birthday anniversary, fill in the blank, is today, and you should probably say something to them. I'm like, have you? He's like, like it's 7 a.m., man. Get on the ball. You know? <laughs> so then he's... He's very much a people person, and people flock to him and gravitate toward him. And so, I mean, even at the conventions, like they just love talking to him for hours and hours and hours. Where I'm like, "Are you buying my book or not?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because you know, I I can talk endlessly and for hours, but you know, you have to. I I have been interested in the topic and engaged first. And I think you know, in in some cases, you know, she is just as much of a geek as I am. But I have a tendency to speak in geek. Yes. Uh, so that kind of helps a lot. Like, you know, when we were talking about uh, archaeology and Stargate, uh, I, I knew I had the audience when I, uh, after a few minutes, I looked at them and said, you know, is there a lunch or something that I should know about? <laughs> yeah, making a reference to Stargate the movie and, right. and stuff like that. And the moment I did that and I made that quote, they're like, oh, he's one of us, you know, and all that they sort of laugh. stuff. They love him. Whereas I th I th uh, there's a lot of Debbie's fans, especially of like the Wicked series and, the, and stuff like that. It, it's Sometimes it's hard for people to come and talk to her just because they have this idea that, you know, she's, she's – uh, uh, the creator of the world that they like so much, and mm -hmm. and no one really knows how to interact with a with an author. It's kind of weird. weird. Uh, and so, it, one of the nice things about the, the Doctor Geek character for her is it's another way to interact with the audience a little bit. Well, yeah, it's very funny because while you know while millions of people have read my books, I I get so much more interaction at conventions from the people who love my character of Claire. Because apparently she just, you know, something about her and her obnoxiousness they love. And they're much more comfortable coming up to me saying, I love you as Claire, than saying, I love your books. You know, and it's just, it's very funny to me. So I, and I always sit there and I, like, I don't know how this happens. But, you know, clearly the show as a whole is really speaking to people. 
Well, I think you, we'll be able to figure this out once Scott goes and gets his degree in psychology next. <laughs> See, I, I, I would kind of support that. I mean, here's the thing. He's an, he's an attorney, an archaeologist, an author, and an actor. I told him if he goes after one more career that starts with the letter A, I will kill him. <laughs> so no architect, no, no artist, no, nothing. I said he's got to move on to like the bees, be like a barber or a ballerina or, you know, something. Biochemist? Biochemist. Biochemist. Uh, I prefer to see the ballerina, but that's just me. <laughs> so would I. Funny. So, so let me ask you guys, you have been in business together for four years. What has been your biggest entrepreneurial disagreement? Ooh, Ooh that's a good, good question. question. Thank you. I thought of it myself. No, you did not. Thank you. <laughs> Catherine wow. thought of it herself. You know, that is a good question because, you know, well, anyone who's been yeah, in business knows that you make uh, some choices that sometimes don't pan out. That's true. Uh, I, you know, and I, yeah. I know what the, the biggest like hurdle is. It's it's it doesn't relate to one specific incident, but just in general, while I tend to be the one that has to, you know, deal with the business end of things, you know. And, you know, make the calls to bankers or insurance companies or, or you know, places where we're planning on setting up the event, you know, like the, the science fair convention and talk logistics or whatever with them. Um, in general, I am much more of a dreamer and an optimist than Scott, which is, which is strange because I think, you know, I, I think I can have it all, you know. And he's always the one coming in saying, you realize that that won't work for the following 10 reasons. And I get, I get really angry at him because I say, look. Do not tell me how it's not going to work. Figure out a way to make my dream come true. Yeah, so. she wants me to be Roy to her Walt Disney. I do. I uh, do. And, and he's under the delusion that he's Walt Disney. <laughs> Roy, and that's very irritating. I, I, think, I think, you know, uh, uh, part of it, I think, is just finding a way to try to do what we need to do but keep the doors open. Yeah. You know, there's only so much uh, capital. And so every time we, we make an, an investment into something, it is, it's got to really be something that we hope will really work. Yes. Uh, like like the, uh, the science fair, I knew that I wanted to do something like that. And uh, it, it took about a year to come up and do the first event. And that really was a, a, a fantastic thing. But we couldn't reproduce it exactly because it really came down to the partnership we had with the South Florida Museum. They were fantastic. Uh, we had this wonderful relationship with them where we were able to take each one of their exhibits and show how they inspired real science and how the, that science uh, was connected to inspiration from fiction. Uh, and you just can't do that everywhere you go. Not every venue is going to be open to that sort of thing. Yeah, and because I have like this sense of whimsy and – you know, I, when we're designing the, the traveling science fair, which we have now, and uh, I, I'm sitting there going, well, we should have, like, exhibits on this or exhibits on that. And Scott's like, do you realize how much that those things are going to cost to try to transport and to try to insure and to try to, you know, keep from breaking into 5,000 tiny little pieces? We're going to have something streamlined, very clean. It's going to be hard for people to break it. And I'm like, but it won't be, you know, as pretty and there won't be as much many gizmos that people can touch. And he's like, exactly. Less <laughs> things for people to touch and break. You know? Well, it, it, the show needs to last for more than a week. Exactly. Uh, that's that's sort of a thing. So it's that compromise, I think, that yeah, we, we he's, do he's a, much, a lot. He's much more practical in that regard than I am. I'm come across, I, I usually play the part of the heavy, but I'm not the practical one in reality when it comes to planning and dreaming. So then tell me then. On the flip side of all this, what are some of the joys that you experience being together 24-7? 
Oh, well, I think that, you know, when we have those moments where things click together, you know that you're there, that your partner's there to share it. I think that's the the big thing. You know, uh, when we actually... It's a shared triumph. It's a shared triumph. You know, when uh, when we did that interview that's going to show up in season three for uh, Project SETI, uh, you know, the the person that we uh, talked to at the very end of it said, you know, you you do a great job of uh, distilling the the concepts and making them approachable. Have you ever thought about being a consultant to Hollywood and and stuff like that? And and I said, well, no, not really. But hey, if you uh, can get us the contact, I'll you know I'll give anything a whirl. And it was something like that. That sort of a thing was a, a big moment. And then another big moment was when uh, there was some homeschooling moms who came to us at the science fair and just said how wonderful everything was. And, and it, we were told for the first time that they were actually using Dr. Geek's laboratory as a supplement to their kids' curriculum. And that was... That's you know, cool. It, it, it blew my mind. I mean, I, I, I'd hoped that, you know, things like that could happen. But we didn't think we were there yet. Yeah, we didn't think... So. I mean, you never know. I mean, that's part of the problem with a podcast is that sometimes you know you're getting something like, you know four or five thousand downloads or something like that but that doesn't mean that people are internalizing it or applying it or or how they feel i mean hardly anyone ever leaves a rating no matter how many times you say please let us know what's your feedback yes. uh so when you get feedback like that uh, and you know it's that it's everything. because of everything that you did together i, I think yeah. that's a, a big moment i think one of the and this is this is a funny one because it's completely practical on some level but one of the great things about being together 24-7 and working together and everything else is every time that I don't want to cook and we go out to food, we talk business and it's a tax write-off. <laughs> Please consult your tax preparer or CPA or other accounting yeah. professional. My father-in-law yes, makes remember, me say that all the time. Yeah, remember, she's the pie-in-the-sky one. Yes. Uh, no, but it, it's not legal advice. It's not legal advice. <laughs> right. But no, but it's, but it's like... You know, some people don't understand it, but it's like, you know, we're, we go out and we even, you know, we eat dinner and we're sitting at the restaurant and, you know, one of us has got a notebook and a pen out and we're like writing down ideas and going crazy. Yeah. I think we're always working. And, 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 and in some ways, I think that that part of it is a curse and a blessing blessing at the same time. Actually, the best part about like being in business together and everything else is that we have our annual meetings every year on the people mover in the magic kingdom. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that's true because it's in january and uh it's colder outside and no one's riding the people mover so we get up to the place where they would it's an 18 minute ride where they're going to kick you off and we just you know put our fingers up in the sky and make a little circle for one more time around and by the fifth or sixth time they start offering to get us pizza or whatever we want but uh yeah that's where we have our annual meetings and i mean who else could you have an annual meeting with on a ride in a theme park except your spouse this is true. Well, only certain rides because someone in this couple who shall remain nameless won't go on any rides that are even vaguely exciting. Or scary. That's sad. Well, wait, the people mover. Is yeah. that the monorail? <laughs> I don't even know what the people mover is. Is that, is that the monorail or is it something different? Something different. It's something different. It, actually, it's the... Um, the open air little car that's still on a track like the monorail. Yeah. But yeah, there are some people in this partnership who shall remain nameless who don't like scary rides or roller coasters. Well, going upside down, man, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, so amazing. I, I have no problem waiting at the bottom holding Catherine's purse. 
<laughs> I, I have no problem doing it. Done it many times. That's it's okay. Sick. Me and the other husbands are there. <laughs> Dude, what is it? I have you know, no idea. It's I'm in a sad. I, I, I don't like things leaving my body when they're not supposed to. <laughs> I know, <Your> right? <laughs> so, <laughs> let, let, let's let's move on. It doesn't sound like you do. You know, it's one or two things you do to separate your family time from your business time. If your annual meetings are on the People Mover, you're not separating anything. No, out. there is no, no separation. No, there, there really isn't. There I mean, is no our our work day is kind of bizarre. It it, it sort of bleeds into the next one. Uh, and that, and but there there is downtime, but you have to kind of get to it. You yeah, know? and and even then, it's it because of the kind of work we do and the creatives we are. You know, it it's hard because like we go to the movies a lot because I am a film junkie, and so is Scott. You know, it's research. Yeah, yeah. But it is. But at the same time, I'm. But at the same time, I mean, I'm a I'm a writer, and and now so is he. And I'm sitting there going, and we're sitting there, and at the end of the film, we're like. What would you have done differently? How did they screw that up? You know, and it's it's all about analyzing the storytelling. Yeah, how is it having the same uh, mother's uh, uh, oh, first name caused you to be best friends? We were just having a Batman versus Superman discussion again today. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so your mom's name is Martha. I don't get it. We we were we were we've gone through five thousand times how to improve that film. If only we were the ones that wrote it. Oh, but, there's uh, so many ways. I'm not a writer. And I so wait, I need them. to. Do these conversations happen before or after the post credit scene? Oh, uh, after. After. Oh, okay. so you sit there, wait for all the credits to roll, watch the scene, then you discuss it. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Because you can't be discussing it, and all of a sudden the scene comes on, you have to stop yeah. your conversation. I get it. Oh, yeah, and then you, and then you look around. The few people, the few stragglers, are still in the theater looking at us like, "What is their problem?" You know? <laughs> they just don't get it. They don't get it. <laughs> we have to dissect this, you know. And sometimes, you know, it's all glowing. It's like, you know, and but it's still dissecting. It's like what they did here made you have this emotional response there, and that's fabulous. And we should mirror something like this, and we do an episode of that, you know. And, yeah, and, and and or you know, the idea is that you know Debbie's fans would uh, hold her to a, a degree that would never get away with that. You know, yes. if, if, I, there are things I, I'm saying, I, I couldn't get away with that. My fans would scream bloody murder and say that I was just, you know, phoning it in or whatever, you know? So it's episode it's one, episode one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and two and three. <laughs> so, well now, now let me ask you then on the, since we're on the topic of books now, you like how I did that? They yes, talk about books. but it can't be yours. It, yeah. So tell me uh, a book that you have read, business-based book that you've read, not your own, that has really helped you along in your career that, that you think uh, our listeners would like to read, that it would help them. Oh, yeah, excellent. Well, you, Debbie's read like three different books uh, from the various people at the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, I read all the companies that the, they put out about um, how Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. Uh, no, no, it's like, it's like um, all the Imagineering books. It's like. Yeah, um, actually, if you, it, it, we could. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to vision the, the uh, stack of books on your, on your uh, nightstand. I know, so am I. And, uh, but it's. Um, there are some books that have been put out by uh, Disney Imagineers uh, that talk about not only customer service, but also the creative aspects of, uh, of building Disney magic. I go through those like, you know, they're candy. 
you know, and I, they have a lot of great ideas and then I'm, I'm trying. And we're trying to, uh, oh, you want to take a second? And what, what I will do is, um, I can give you the, I can give you the titles that you can, uh, link, you know, that you can put in like a write-up if that would be helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our fans would love that. Yeah. And I also, the other one that I really loved was there was a book on, um, thinking like, uh, Leonardo da Vinci Ooh. and how he was, how he could do so many things in so many different, uh, areas that were completely seemingly unrelated to each other and how, you know, how creative individuals, if you start, you know, harnessing your strengths and you can go in directions you don't think you can and how you can relate that to business sometimes. Those are exciting. That was an exciting book too. Yeah. I think what, what's great about, uh, all these books and the, the, the thing, the, the mystery that, uh, we are trying to crack over here is how do you take that that pure energy for creativity creativity and apply it to an actual business you know yeah. that is that sometimes the the creative juices flow but there's no real practical output and then there's uh things that are uh if you if you get too mundane then all of a sudden you feel like you're not being creative enough yeah and so that, that idea about being able to take a concept from uh, idea to fruition in this context is something that you know it, it's very much like what we're trying to do so you know yeah. figure pay attention to those that have done it well right and see in this way this is how I can prove that Scott is actually the Roy to my wall instead of vice versa because I'm very good at coming up with great ideas and then shoving them off on other people and saying there I'm done <laughs> <laughs> Go make that happen because that'll be cool. I know all about that one. Catherine comes up with a great idea. She goes, I've got an idea. I go, great. I got work to do then. Yeah, right. Very true. Yeah. yeah. So now so, if you can give our listeners one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't give up. You're going to want to and you're going to want to do it often. Uh, but take a moment, take a deep breath and actually – uh, if 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 you really are hitting a uh, a problem that you just don't think you can solve, speak up. Tell your friends because you never know what nugget of information or what ability or what skill set is out there that are more than willing to help you out. If if only you said something, uh, I think that has been uh, something that we have seen a, a lot. And I know it takes a lot to be able to ask for help, but really that's the big thing. When you're when you're presenting a face to the public, always be quick to praise the other person. Always be quick not to look for the attention for yourself, but to make sure that the other person is getting their due. And, you know, no matter how you divvy up the work behind the scenes, because when you're when you're building up your partner, that has a very positive impact on the people that are trying to check out your product, because that that kind of good vibe and that. Um, that that sense of uh, of the fact that they might be in the presence of someone who's really amazing, you know, really is helpful in getting you know in getting sales and in getting listeners and just in getting appreciation in general. So I'm just saying, always you know, no matter what's going on behind the scenes, no matter how much you're disagreeing, you know, always present a united front to the rest of the world. That that I I hear because we also have uh, fur babies and feather babies. Um, I hear that's really good with kids, too, is presenting that united front, but certainly in business, yeah. to present that united front. So, cool so even, stuff. I was going to say, even if I'm coming down as the heavy, I know that no matter what I say, what decision I make, you know, even if, I mean, I, I had to make a difficult decision to fire a friend once, and that was 
that was awful. And we stewed over that for days. And oh, we lamented it for a long we time. We did. I mean, it was it was terrible. And like I say, the first time is always the worst. <laughs> but uh, but I did it, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt that no matter what happened, Scott was backing my decision. Absolutely, that's so important. Is you know, if you can, for our listeners out there, if you can think for one moment of anything big or small that you don't know that your partner has your back 1000% in business, don't do it. Absolutely don't do it. I think that that's the toughest thing is, is when you see a couple in business and you can tell that they don't have each other's backs or believe in them, believe in each other. So that is a great piece of advice. And now to step away from the serious, not that we've been that serious, but the food round. Excellent. That's my sound effects. That's your sound effects. Beautiful, guys, man. Guys, what is your favorite meal to cook together or <laughs> what is... <laughs> ah! Sorry. Or... <laughs> we, got a big, we got an or there. What is your favorite meal at your favorite restaurant when you write it off as a tax deduction? <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, full disclosure, we don't cook. Uh, I, 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 no. <laughs> I, hey, I cook. Yeah. Grudgingly. <laughs> Grudgingly. Yes. Uh, Angrily. Angri- <laughs> mean. Uh, no. Um, so uh, for us, I, I think our favorite meal out is prime rib. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Have the prime rib. And do you have a favorite restaurant that you go to for that? Give them a plug. Uh, oh. Currently, our favorite is uh, Longhorn, which is a chain down here in Florida because uh, they have consistent prime rib. A lot of places you go prime rib, and one day it'll be stringy and fatty and hard to cut, and the other day it'll be tender. Longhorns is always consistent quality, no matter the restaurant, no matter the night. Awesome. So Longhorns, if you're listening, uh, Scott and Debbie would like a free meal. That's right. <laughs> with they wine. They yeah, deserve we, one. We, we, thank you. We want the 20, that was it now, a 28-ounce cut of prime rib. Yeah, oh, that's what I that's what I get. <laughs> okay, now now this this could end well or continue well or this could end very badly right now. Okay. How do you order that prime rib? Raw. Oh, thank Excellent. God. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And and she means it actually. Yes. Um, because I have discovered that if you say rare, people somehow don't believe you and they bring you medium, medium rare, God forbid, medium well, where the earth has come to an end, you know, so, but if I say raw, that sticks in a person, a server's mind. And, and they, they, they pay attention. They go, what, what, what did you say? You said raw. And Scott's like, yes, she wants it alive and mooing. And if it's not, we have a problem. You know, yeah. show it the oven in terror and take it away. And bring it here. <laughs> As Catherine likes to say, hold the meat at one end of the room, light a candle at the other end. <laughs> and that there works. you go. Three minutes each side. You, you right. I think you found another... Uh, <laughs> my sister! That's right. All right, you, you will love this. It's totally off topic, but it's on prime rib topic. I'd had a very lousy day. It was like one of the worst days in the last five years, and I was just... I, I was beside myself. It was such a terrible day. Scott took me actually to a different restaurant. We went to uh, Texas Roadhouse, and I ordered the prime rib raw, and the server came back two minutes later, which is usually never a good sign. It means they don't have rare. And he said... Um, Something happened, and it turns out our ovens got turned on two hours late this morning. So we actually have a piece from the middle that is completely raw. Do you actually want it? <laughs> I cried. I cried. It was like this most beautiful moment. Like God has smiled upon me in my sorrow. And they brought it to me, 
and it was shiny and purple and raw. And the manager walked up and said, are you sure? I'm like, God bless you. Know, you. They, they have like a disclaimer they want you to sign right there. <laughs> you know, just want to make sure everything's okay. He did. I, I tried to convince him to, to do that, to turn the ovens on late once a week, and they wouldn't go for it. They wouldn't do it. it. It's beef no. sushi. Beef sushi. That's right. That's beautiful. Oh. Yeah, beef sashimi. Yes. <laughs> so carpaccio is a favorite then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. So last question in the food round: red, white, or beer? Uh, oh, Coca Cola. Yeah, I have actually have an allergy to alcohol, so I can't. Uh, I'll actually have a, a very, very bad uh, health issue. So yes, it makes him very, 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 very sick. <laughs> wow. Is it entertaining for you, Debbie? Yeah, he can't have like Nyquil or anything. Um, I actually hate the taste of alcohol, so we're perfectly paired. But I cook with it because I can burn off the alcohol. And right. once the alcohol is burned off, it tastes great to me and it doesn't make him sick. So when I cook with alcohol, I cook with white. You cook with white. Very good. And yes, it does burn off. And so you, you get that taste, but you yes. don't yes. get the alcohol in it. So that's that's very good. See, Deb, you did have a cooking tip for everybody out there. Yeah, <laughs> I did. And you can put any kind of white wine with heavy cream and make a French sauce just like that. And that will go on anything. That's right. I mean, you can put that on anything together. And then if you add a stick of butter in the pan as well, I mean, you know, fish, chicken, steak, you know, throw some mushrooms in. I mean, you can do anything with white wine, heavy whipping cream and butter. And, and a stick of butter. That's it. Yeah. And if yeah. it's a really, really bad day, you can just eat that. Not that I maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. You dip your bread in it. Oh, yes. Yes. Very true. So- and it's all it's really good very true so let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back with our pet peeve hey everybody we know you love audio why else would you be listening to this podcast through audible.com together 24 7 listeners can get a free audiobook that's a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial there's over 180,000 titles to choose from just go to www.audibletrial.com slash together. Again, the website is www.audibletrial.com slash together. Listeners, you have a business. You need a website. There are a million choices out there. So where do you turn? Well, HostGator.com has one-click WordPress installs, or you can use their drag-and-drop website builder. They also have service and support available around the clock every day of the year, so you know you're in good hands. They already have low prices, and now HostGator.com has taken it a step further for our listeners. Use promo code TOGETHER247 to get 25% off their hosting services. Don't wait. Hit pause now and sign up at HostGator.com, unless you're driving. Then wait till you get where you're going. Remember, use promo code TOGETHER247 to get an additional 25% off at HostGator.com. Welcome back. We had a good commercial break. What would you think of those sponsors, Kat? They're awesome. And I love the announcers in those commercials. They are so good. It's us, honey. It's us. And when we interview people, we don't really do the commercials right then and there. So why don't you go ahead and get to the pet peeve? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Debbie, tell us what your pet peeve is, will you please? Now I'm thinking I should have said something different. But uh, no, Uh, my pet peeve. I've been a professionally published writer uh, for 14 years now. And uh, I still have people who, when I say I'm a writer, uh, they say, oh, 
is there some website where I can go to get your book? You know, you're self-published, right? And they make the assumption. Or they say, oh, you have one book, right? I'm like, no, I, I have like, like over four dozen books and I'm traditionally published and self-published, but that came much, much later. And, you know, and, and it's just, it's And you can buy them wherever books are sold. But the assumption always is that when someone says they're a writer, that they're not a real writer, that they're an aspiring writer, that maybe they've written something that two people have seen. And the thing is, it's not just strangers that do this. I cannot tell you how many family members on both sides of the family, it took them seven years to realize I was a real writer with real books that they could go into the store and buy. Yeah, there's some sort of like mental reset that happens at midnight. I, I, I don't yes. quite get that. Yes. Actually, the, the thing that always gets me is when we go to conventions and we have a display or uh, we go to a trade show and Debbie's sitting there with a big banner that says New York Times bestselling author Debbie Vigay. And we have all of her books laid out for people to purchase. We actually get people thinking that we're a bookstore. Yes. They don't, they don't realize I'm the author. They think we're a bookstore. And, and so it's like the other side. Because I have written more than one book. Clearly, I can't actually be the author. You know? So that is my pet peeve. It's like the assumptions people make that it's not a real job or that you haven't had any success or that, you know, they're humoring you if they ask about, you know, your your website that you must have to sell your two copies. Or if you work from home, that means that you're available at any time to yes. do anything. Oh, yes, because your work for home home is a writer or in business as we do, you're available at any time of the day for anybody who knows you to do anything. Oh, you're free to come help me, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm working. Yeah, we get you that know. all the time because we work from home. We never had an office, never will have an office. Uh, and I think think until the day she left this planet, Catherine's mother thought that she didn't have a real job because we yep. worked from home. Now, yep. let me tell you that my parents were entrepreneurs, but they had a store. See, ah. so so they would go to they the store, to right? Yeah. And they would be at the store. So, <laughs> you know, it was very, very different. Yeah, just because I work in my pajamas doesn't mean I'm not working. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I don't even get as far as pajamas. <laughs> now, now, TMI, TMI. <laughs> oh, God. Now, now, before we get on to finding out where to, or letting our listeners know where to find all of your stuff, I just have a question for the both of you. Are you excited that they're rebooting Stargate? Oh, uh, you know. I am. Yeah. And and I am excited to find out what the original guy had in uh, had in mind. We're not excited that he's uh, that he didn't like anything they did with the television show, and that he's been kind of you know mean about that, and that he plans on scrapping that all because we like the television show. But uh, we are very excited to see what does come of it because it's very sad that there is no Stargate currently. You know, new Stargate happening. Right, well, I, I love the movie, the original movie. Uh, I never watched, actually only one of the series did I watch, and it was the last one. I don't even remember the name of it. I think it was, oh, oh. was Stargate Universe. Universe, oh. that was oh. the one, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm so sorry. No, that was their attempt to make uh, a connection to like Battlestar Galactica. Right, terrible. yeah. No, I, I highly recommend Stargate SG-1. Yes. Uh, that, was, that ran for over 10 years and uh, was, amazing. was amazing. That was and, the one with MacGyver. I yes. actually used to watch that series. Before we met. Really? Oh, yes. yeah. Excellent. And then I converted you over to Star Trek. No, I was oh. already a Star Wars fan. No, I liked Star Trek the movies, not the series, and I was also a Star Wars fan. But anyway. See, I'm Star Wars, and I like Star Trek except for Next Generation, which I hate. And Scott loves, so go figure. That's funny. Uh, 
So uh, Geekdom Unite, uh, we will have you guys, all of your information on the website, on uh, Together 24-7, your show notes website, Scott and Debbie Vigay, the Dr. Geeks Laboratory. Great for those of us who love science but don't want to sit there with our nose in the books and just, you know, it, it's so I, I love it. It's so fascinating. You know, when you were when you were a kid, if you're not a science fan right now and you're an adult, when you were a kid, it was awful. Uh it it could be very, very boring, but speak for yourself. You've <laughs> I, I I love that that science is becoming this fun pop culture thing and scott and debbie thanks for contributing to that and thank you for being on our show thank you very much thank you for having us it was our pleasure and we'll catch everyone next time next time bye-bye bye we want to thank you again for listening be sure to go to itunes to subscribe to our podcast rate it and review it and if you have any suggestions just email us directly together at together247.net Check us out on our website at together247.net slash resources for some great ideas, resources, and offers for your business. And don't forget to click on our sponsors' links as well. Do you own a business with your sweetheart? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at guests at together247.net. And don't forget, we have a new episode every Monday and every Thursday. So go ahead and subscribe and keep on listening. 